0: Hey Stephanie Gotts, you got a second to talk about guardian vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing. Yes. Um, and I'm sure you, you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up, and the doctors are busy, and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how, uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vets. This is a service where you have uh, registered technicians uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch, and uh, Guardian vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk, and they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend.
1: Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after-hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well. Which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is short-handed, everybody is drowning in phone calls, and so we talk about it. We've talked about guardian vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that?
0: (laughs) Guys, if you're not familiar with guardian vets, if you think that you could use some help on the the phones or up at the front desk, check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke, Stephanie Goss is not getting to do the introduction this week. Oh no. I get to do this one. In fact, Stephanie Goss is even on this episode. I am talking to a good friend of mine, a young, almost doctor that I uh, I am so proud of and I am so pleased to mentor. Uh, he is someone that i expect amazing outstanding things from in this profession and i am so thrilled to have him here to talk about a question that a lot of people ask me how do i hire new grads andy how do i even compete with the big dollars and the big budgets that are out there how do i even get access to these people when other groups are able to go straight into the vet school what do i do I have a magnificent fourth-year veterinary student who has got his thumb firmly on the pulse of the vet students in the United States, and uh, and he knows the stuff, and he's got some research he's going to unpack for us on what vet students want in their first job. It's a really good episode. It's really fun. Uh, you guys are going to really fall in love with Jason. If you have not heard him before, he is really amazing. But uh, anyway, guys, that's enough. Let's get into this episode. And now, The Uncharted Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Jason Sumsky. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you, Dr. Work? Man, I'm good. It's good to see you again. Um, For those who don't know you, which is probably, let's be honest, that's probably most people because uh, you're just getting started. Uh, You are a fourth year vet student at Illinois College of Vet Medicine, uh, you are the current the tw- your class of twenty twenty three. You are the class president. You have been the VBMA chapter president uh, at Illinois. Um, you uh, have uh, you did an externship with me, which is super rare because I quit doing those a long time ago. But you just wore me down, uh, to be honest, and finally finally convinced me to to take you on. And so you came and uh, you stayed with me at my house with my kids and my wife. And, uh, and we, and, and then did help me put on the uncharted conference back in April. And so you and I know each other really well. I am super glad to have you here because I have some questions that I have gotten through, uh, the uncharted mailbag that I uh, think that you're the guy to answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's rock and roll. I'm glad to see you too. And uh, thanks for having me. Oh man. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, you actually, you're going to, uh, I, not only are you having you on the podcast, yeah you're, you're, you are definitely the first veterinary student who's ever going to speak at an uncharted conference. Uh, And so you've got that coming up, which is going to be pretty, pretty, no pressure, no pressure at all. (laughs) Um, And we are definitely not going to do this again. If you, if you drop the ball, right? Yeah, but but I'm sure you'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. I'm ready to rock and roll. It's going to be great. It won't, it won't end your career before it starts. It will just cripple it if can't it goes wait. badly. I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. Oh, that's it. It's going to be great. All right, sweet. So here's here's what I got for you. Here's what you're talking about at uh, the GSD conference uh, in October. Uh, you are doing a presentation on effectively recruiting uh, graduates from vet school. And uh, what I wanted to talk to you about was the number of questions that I get from frustrated independent practices, small business owners who say I don't know how to talk to vet students or how to get them to even look at us because there's so much noise and these other they're bigger companies that have big budgets. And I just don't feel like there's any chance in the world that we can recruit a a new graduate to our practice. And that doesn't seem right to me. So so let me go ahead. I'm gonna open this up broadly Mm -hmm. and sort of say, can you just sort of speak at a high level, looking around the class of 2023, um, what do you think are the main concerns that new graduates have? What are they sort of looking for in an employer right yeah that's 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 the question right um, and, and as a, as a little right.
1: guy, it's hard to compete with these offers that the corporate groups are offering, right? They can offer, they have deep pockets and big budgets. And so uh, really, we wanted to try to figure out, I uh, put a survey together, me and a classmate of mine, Natalie Whalen, and, and now Dr. Aaron Kaplan at, over at Virginia, Maryland, uh, put together a survey that just asked people, um, what are you expecting from an employer as a new grad? And then a ranking system, where, what do you rank these things? We talked about schedule flexibility, uh, corporate versus private, continuing education, loans location, like the number of vets, the benefits, the salary, and the mentorship. And then we had everyone rank it. Um, and we got like 300 responses from four different schools around the country. So we have a good a good base of, of what we wanted to do. And, and yeah. the results were, were overwhelming. Uh, everyone wants mentorship. By far, the number one yeah. thing that people requested was mentorship. And that's not breaking news to anybody. But what is mentorship? And that's different, that's person by person. And that's
0: why I think, yeah, it's it's different. Well, I was writing that down as my next follow-up question is like, what is mentorship? Because we throw this word around all the time. Uh, and, and that's, I gotta be honest, from a practitioner standpoint, it's super frustrating because that's like, I want mentorship. And you're like, what does that mean? And they're like, I don't know, um, help me on. Un- so, I, well, actually, hold on. I, I want to go through the rest of this list and then we're going to come back and i wanted to i want to crack into mentorship with you a little bit cuz i want to try to figure out what people mean when they say that and how to and how to ask questions so i can figure out what they're saying when they say they want mentorship so 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 mentorship number one with a bullet what uh, what else did you come back with sure so so mentorship by far number first and uh, the first thing
1: that people asked for and and then number 2 3 and 4 were pretty variable i mean um, i'd say upwards of 80% of people wanted mentorship as number one. So benefits and salary uh, are wow. number two and three, but not a close number two and three. It's mentorship by far number one. And we also broke it down by class to see like wh- which class wants mentorship more than other classes. And it's pretty interesting. There's a huge jump yeah. from second year to third year where people are starting to realize like mentorship is really important when they start to get those those looks for jobs and they're starting to like break down the barrier that, that it was a
0: huge jump. Well, the clinical rotation part too, like, uh, when you're yeah. when you're just doing when you're doing textbook work, you know what I mean. When you're taking exams like you've always taken them, you're like, I got this. And then when you actually have to stand in the room, you're like, Oh, I don't got this. Uh, yeah, that's. Yeah. I think that that makes a total. It makes a big. It makes a lot of sense to me that that you would see this increase at that
1: at that time. Right. Yeah. Until you're standing next to your first spay in junior surgery, you don't realize how important. <laughs> Having someone that can help you out that knows what they're doing is, right? Yeah, it's a security blanket. Exactly, exactly. A security All blanket. Right, cool. and that's- that's one of the many things that we saw was, was what, what people wanted in mentorship. And it's very, very different, which is, which is well, great.
0: That was one of the questions. we asked, is What is. Okay. okay. Before we get into that, I'm going to, let's tease out the other two that are, that are easy. So benefits and salary. Oh, what are you seeing as far as benefits and salary? I, I know the students talk. Um, I, I think that there are, uh, there are some things that that's and There's something that that's wildly overestimate. Uh, c- can you talk to me just in general, broad terms about that? When, when vet students say benefits, what are, what do they care about? What are the things that, that seem to impress people or that seem to make a difference? Right, and, and right now, the most benefits
1: packages that, that I'm seeing are, are pretty, pretty similar. I mean, you talk about health, you talk about disability insurance, you talk about liability insurance, you talk mm. about, um, I include CE in benefits. Some people put it separate yep. and say they want a different CE balance, but I think that's, that's kind of included in benefits there. And uh, those, are the, those are the kinds of things that are, are looking for. PTO is a big one. Um, right now, there's like three yeah. job openings per vet student. So there is the, the market is, is crazy for vet students right now. And, and vet students know that if yeah. they want a couple extra days off per year, they're going to ask for that. So those are the kinds of things that they're asking for in terms of benefits. PTO um, and CE are yeah. really important
0: right now. Those are the two of the bigger ones. Yeah, that totally makes sense. All right. And then salaries, I'm assuming that you say pretty broad, uh, b- pretty broad variation depending on where people are going to go
1: practice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely dependent on, on where they're practicing and what they're practicing. I mean, mixed animal veterinarians will make a little bit less, but um, we're, we're, as I heard on an earlier episode with you, uh, we're breaking the six figure mark pretty standardly now. And, and I know it's different from yeah. even the last mm-hmm. couple of years, but um, most vet students coming out are, are expecting an offer to be at or around six figures right away.
0: Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm seeing as well. So yeah, I I think that that's, I think that's definitely a trend. I think that's good. That's good for veterinarians. I think it's good for practitioners. I, it's, it's uh, I think it's where we're going. I think, I think a lot of vets, a lot of practices get stuck in their head and they're like, well, why, why do these people make more money coming out of school than I ever made coming out of school? And you go, that's not an important question. That doesn't help you at all. The question you need to ask yourself right now is this is what's happening what are we going to do about it not not should we adapt but how do we adapt how do we make these things happen so we can be competitive well let's 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 give the answer to that let's start to tap into mentorship because if you've got 80 85% of that student saying this is the number one thing for me and putting it over salary and benefits well then obviously this is a differentiator and one of the things i think is really great it actually makes me really happy as sort of an entrepreneurial optimistic innovative person is to say i think it's great because i think this is where individual practices and shine. I think this is where you show your culture and your values. I, I think it's where you can uh, you can make up a lot as far as dollars and cents by giving people safety, guidance, uh, feeling that they're going to be brought up, grown, and developed. Um, I think that's worth a lot more than dollars once you hit a certain dollar threshold, for sure. And so, what, what do you? What is your? What is your take? when we start to talk about mentorship, how, how it applies to different people, how do we crack this open, Jason? Like, like, are there broad categories that, that you think exist when people say mentorship? How do, how do I start to get my arms around this concept?
1: Sure. I think the number one most important thing that you can do with regards to mentorship is be flexible. Every single vet student that's coming out of school is different yeah. and their experience is different and what they want is different. So be flexible. Don't go in with the standard, we're going to do our appointments for the first six months and then half hour appointments after that be flexible meet with your vet student weekly bi-weekly get the, get a gauge on how they're doing comfortability wise right. do they want to move up do they want to see more sick patients do they want to see less sick patients because they're not comfortable yet um, so those are the kinds of areas that you can really get a leg up in terms of the competition and and being flexible because you have that flexibility as a smaller practice to be able to leverage that and and so some we asked that question right what is mentorship what does that mean to you and we got so many different answers everyone answers it differently and and the great thing is that we have tons of ideas on how people are thinking so some people like to walk through cases um just hey, for the first three weeks, let's just walk through some cases. Let's make sure that I'm thinking about things correctly. Uh, Like you mentioned earlier, the security blanket. I know how to do things. I just want someone to be there in case something goes wrong. And then after a little bit of time, you realize that you know what you're doing and that security blanket is less and less and less. Some people like that. Um, A big one, comfortability asking questions, right? You have to be open to receiving questions from new grads. And, and I know that's time consuming, but that's what new grads want. And they want to be able to, Hey, I'm struggling with this lung pattern. Can you help me out and help me differentiate a couple of things that I'm looking at here and, and being able to, of course, let's go look at it right now. is huge for vet students. That's, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for uh, someone to do the cases for us. We're just looking for someone to help us along in areas that we're not super confident in quite yet.
0: Yeah. I, I'm working with a recent grad in practice right now. And I I think the world of her, I'm so, I I really like her a lot. I think she's, she's going to be such a great doctor. Um, and, and and I was asking her recently, so how, how are things going? Are Are you struggling with anything? And she said, honestly, I, would you talk, would you listen to me do some phone calls? Because my phone calls take forever. She's like, I don't, I still, I feel like I'm on the phone all the time and I don't know if I'm not doing it right. I don't know. Uh, it was funny. I was talking to her. And so she's on the phone all the time, or for for a long period of time. And she's like, I can't get out of here. I'm on the phone all the time. And she was asking me about it. And and I said, yeah, you know, I'll I'll listen to your calls. And we started kind of going through it and talking through it together. One of the things I think is fascinating is she thought that she was on the phone for a long time because she was slow. The truth is, I think, The other doctors in this practice have been there for a long time and they have an established clientele. And so they get all these wellness appointments when people come in and say, I want to see this doctor, I want to see this doctor. And because she's the new doctor, she's picking up all the walk-ins and the emergencies and the people who are like, I don't care, just get me in. And that's just part of being a brand new grad. And so she's going, man, I'm spending so much time on the phone. And I say, but my, my friend... It's because you're doing you're doing the you're doing these these deep hard cases, you know, and, and and her whole day is full of sick things because she hasn't built a clientele yet where she's just has people asking for her to do wellness things. And and it's not I am overstating as far as her whole day, but you get the point of like she thought she was not doing it right. But the truth is like, no, no, you're you're doing fine. And there are some things that we can there's some dials we can turn and some some you know, some nuts and bolts we can we can crank down. But I was just I was really and I was really impressed that she figure that out and said, well, you know, this is what I think. But now that we're going through it, I sort of see that this is the pattern. And, and it's just, to I say that just to your point of everybody's different. And she does not want you to do the case for her. She's a very competent, impressive doctor. There's just stuff like that that she goes, "I check me on this and make sure I'm not doing something wrong that's making these phone calls go on much longer than they should, you know, and, and it's just, I think that's really insightful. So, so let me, let me circle back around. Let's talk about some language here. So let's say that I'm a practitioner. I want, I'm, I'm really trying to, to convince a, a new graduate to come and, and to be mentored and to grow in our practice and things, you know, for a long time, there were the, there were practice management gurus who were saying, you need to have a mentorship plan, a mentorship program. And I still, I still agree with that to some Point. You can't blow this off. You have to be serious about mentorship. But I think what you said with, really resonated with me before about you know don't just say you're going to do hour long appointments because that maybe that's not what I need or or maybe uh, yeah I've seen that before. People say for the first six months hour long appointments and there's a, a very gung ho veterinarian who six weeks in is just di- dying. They're like come on, I'm you're killing me. Yeah, or, come on. let me do some things. Um, I. I think it's it's a balance, isn't it, of having a plan of saying, this is how we're going to start out. And we're going to have an assessment period in four to six weeks. And depending on how you feel, we're going to make some adjustments to that. And it's going to grow with you. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard that really laid out that clearly. But as you sort of said that, it made a lot of sense to me. Does that sound correct in your ears? Exactly. and And that's a great way. And that's exactly what vet students will look for. And that's a great way for you
1: to leverage your practice is everyone should have a mentorship program and you should be advertising that you have a mentorship program, 100%. But what's within your mentorship program is what's really important. And you have to be able to communicate that to the new vets. Because if you look on ads on on all those websites that have the ads, every single one of them is going to say mentorship. But what is that mentorship? So if you can articulate well, what your mentorship program looks like, it's flexible. We meet weekly and talk about your goals and your comfort level. And we go out to lunch and we talk about the cases that you had the previous day and make sure that you're comfortable with follow-ups and make sure that you're comfortable with your client communication or that your phone calls are taking too long and you want someone to overlook you there that's that's exactly what we're looking for and it is really flexible so to have a super structured mentorship program where every single new vet does the same thing i don't think that's going to work i think that you should definitely make it flexible and 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 adjust it as needed like like you said gung ho veterinarians are going to want to just take off and and get headed through round running but there are some people that need that reinforcement right away and that's that's okay too um, but some people just need that little extra you're doing great keep
0: going. Uh, I'm here if you need me. Well, I think you just called out one of the real truths in all of this is the talk is cheap and every advertisement for a recent grad out there is going to say mentorship. We do mentorship. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's ubiquitous. Everybody says it. Most practices don't really have it. Or, or, you know, I, I think I have a strong suspicion that if you ask practices, do you mentor your new grads? you would get, and you and you recorded how many said they do, uh, you would get a wildly different answer than if you went to those grads and said, do you feel that you were well mentored? Th- those are just very, very different numbers, I think. I think a lot of practices go, oh, no, they're getting what they need. And the person is saying, hey, I'm, I'm really not being engaged this way. You know, these are skills that were never taught to doctors in vet school. Like, at no point in vet school coming through did they say, this is how you're going to invest into New graduates, when you're a seasoned doctor. And of course, like there's only so much time in vet school, to, you know, how do you even teach that? But most uh, of us are, are flying by the seat of our pants. And so let me give you a hard question here, Jason, and say, let's pretend for a second that you have a vet practice. And you're, so you're three, four, five, six years out of school. You've got your own little startup now. You're trying to hire your second doctor or maybe your third doctor, and you're talking to a new graduate, and, they, uh, and you say to them, hey, you know, I'm really serious about mentorship. And she looks at you and says, yeah, buddy, you and everybody else says that they're really serious about mentorship, what do you what do you mean when you say that? And how um and how can I know that you're telling me the truth when you say this is important? And so yeah, role play that scenario for me, Jason. Sure. So I think first things
1: first, if you're hiring a new grad so that you can get time off, you're hiring a new grad for the wrong reason. And new grads <laughs> will pick that up very quickly, very quickly. That is number yeah. one big red flag is you're saying, oh yeah. You're going to get all the time and whatever hours you want. And then you leave. I'm going to go on vacation because I have a new grad, big red flag. So I'm going to make sure that I am very clear that I will be there as long as you need me there. And I know that can be frustrating, but in order to develop your practice and to get it bigger and better and to develop this new grad into someone that you, you're proud to have in your, in, your, in your practice, you have to put in that time and effort. So I'm making that, that very clear. And one other thing that you can do yeah. is not just new grads, you can get vet students in the door through externships during their first or second year, especially like I talked about that jump from second to third year, that summer of your second to third year is a great time to get vet students in the door, bring them into your practice, let them see what the culture is like really before their job hunting, let them get used to who you are, Teach them, start to mentor them, give them little nuggets here and there about, this is what I like to do in a surgery. Do you want to scrub in so that you can feel what an ovary feels like? So that when you go into junior surgery, you're prepared for it. Stuff like that really, really yeah. helps. And 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 one other thing that's a little bit small, but it's really helpful, paid housing for externs. I mean, there's a lot of externs that would be like, I'd love to go to your clinic, but I'm in so much debt right now that I can't afford to go to your clinic. And if you pay for their housing and their travel, yeah. so many more vet students will flock your way. So that's just a little thing. And it's not too much of a hit to the pocket, uh, but that's a little thing that could definitely no. give you a little bit of edge and get someone in the door.
0: Yeah. And an Airbnb can be a good investment and and probably pretty pretty darn reasonable. And it's just something that I think a lot of people don't don't think about. But yeah, that's the difference between me getting a student to come and not getting a student to come. Uh, that's... that's a that's a small that's a small price that's uh you know that's that's some play money that I'm hoping pays off but but uh but I can put it up even if if it doesn't work out you know i, I think you're you're spot on i think your answer is really simple uh in is it sort of stunned me in that way of to say, well, the best way to convince them what you mean by mentorship is to get them in for two weeks and show them what you mean, because talk is cheap. But if they came for two weeks and they said, oh, he's really easy to ask questions to and he sticks around and he and he walks me through cases and he lets me try things and he, and he doesn't get irritated when I ask him questions. He's open and happy, you know, and, and exactly. genuinely makes me feel comfortable asking him. Uh, you know that's, that's that's really smart. And again, it's, it's so simple. And I go, oh, that sounds right. <laughs> like that. I was looking. I was waiting for some like, okay. Well, you show them this, and you tell them that. And they're like, no, you just, you just get them to for, come for two weeks, and then and then and then do what you're going to do. And and then they they see it. That that makes a ton of sense. Exactly. Hey, guys, I just want to jump in here real fast and give a shout out to Banfield the Pet Hospital for making our transcripts available. That's right. We have transcripts for the Kona Shame Vet Podcast and the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. You can find them at drandyrook.com and at UnchartedVet.com. This is uh, part of their effort to increase inclusivity and accessibility in vet medicine. We couldn't do it without them. I got to say thanks. Thanks for, uh, for making the, the content that we put out more available to our colleagues. Guys, that's all I got this time. Let's get back into this. So talk to me a little bit about externships. You know, how do you how do you think that vet students become aware of externships? How can veterinarians who are like, hey, I'm totally open to having a student for an externship? I think I would have a good program. How do vet students find these programs? Sure. And as a completely separate survey,
1: I kind of wanted to get the gauge of what my graduating class before me was doing, how they found their first job. and, And the answers were. Widely different. No one found their first job the same. So there's no real yeah. way that all oh, these are what the good people are doing. The best thing that I can say is get into schools and talk to students. Whether it's through clubs like the DBMA. we at Illinois, our BBMA yeah. brings in speakers all the time. And our goal is to set up students and speakers together. Students that like the speakers, speakers that like the students, and then get them matched like that. So you can go into schools, give a little lunch lecture, buy some lunch for some students, get your name, your foot in the door. And, and get those students thinking about you. That's, that's a great way to get your foot in the door and, and uh, get some students to, to come see. And then once, once your foot's in the door and you, you have these students interested in you and your clinic, you can bring them in uh, for that externship. And, and when I talk about externships, I'm just talking about like one to two weeks, get them in your clinic, let them do some things, um, make them think like a doctor, mm-hmm. but support them. Those are, those are great things that you can do. And during that yeah. summer is the perfect time to do it. Bring out a vet student for a week, pay for their housing, Um, and show them what your clinic's all about. And if, if they're a good fit for you, um, you guys will hit it off and, and they'll be looking to come back. And at the end, this is big and so small. Again, these are just small little things that are really helpful make sure you tell them how you feel. If you really enjoyed them, tell them that you enjoyed them and that you would really yeah. like the opportunity to continue moving forward and talking. Make sure you are saying those things out loud because you might think, oh my gosh, that student was awesome. And you're telling the whole, the whole hospital how great it was. But unless you tell the student that, they don't yeah. know that you're thinking that. And they might think, oh my gosh, that one answer I missed uh, back, he probably doesn't even want to think about me anymore. But if you say, hey, you did a great job. I really enjoyed you, let's yeah. keep this
0: conversation going. Great way to get in the door there. Yeah. Recruiting is a lot like dating. I, I found out early in my life. And it's um everybody wants to be wanted. You know, like that, that's, that is a huge, it's a huge thing. I have been really blessed and lucky in my career f- for making fantastic hires. Like I, I, and you know this from, from working with the Uncharted team. I have great, great people sure that, do. that work for me. Um. And I go, man, that's 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 been amazing. I, the greatest strategy that I have had is going to those people and saying, I see your potential. I see what you do well. I want you to be on our team. And this is why I want you to be here with us. And it's just, it's an approach that has always worked for me. And I, it comes from the heart and I'm always honest. But, but everyone just they love to have someone come up and say i see what you're good at i see your potential i see how well you work here i see what your what your what your talents are and i you're gonna fit well here and i i would be really happy to have you that sounds so simple again but man it really does make a big difference and especially you know you've got vet students coming in and they're a bit insecure in their talents and they want to work with someone who wants them to be there not just tolerates them being there not who says oh you know we really need a vet and yeah you're you're a new grad, but I mean, we're gonna take the long view and hope this pays off. Man, that's not that's not attractive. That's not that's not the dating opening that you want. Like, ah, uh, you know, you're just uh, you're a six, but uh, I'm pretty really, I'm pretty desperate, and we'll see if this works out. Like, that's not what you want. Exactly, uh, red flag. That's those are the red flags we're talking about. Red flag, <laughs> red flag, yeah. So okay, that's I, I I think that that totally makes sense to me. I love the ideas of of getting into the vet schools. I, that does make sense. I love that you mentioned some specific ways that uh that that people can get in there. More and more, of the vet schools are having job fairs. Have you seen these? Have you attended some of the vet school job fairs? I have. Yeah, that's another great way. A lot of our vet school fairs are
1: within our state. So people travel down for the day, meet tons of vet students. And these can be make sure that you're open and clear that you're looking for first and second years to do externships. That's a great way. But yes, of course, meet with yeah. the fourth years and try to get them to come to your clinic too. But those first and second years are, are and, and upcoming third years are great people to recruit to come check out your clinic as well. And that's a great way to get your foot in the door and get an initial conversation going. That's an excellent yeah. point too, Dr. Or
0: Well, is there, so you've seen these, and I know you and I have talked about them before a little bit in the past. Give me a quick prep run through what I should do to be ready to come to to these sort of uh, these job interviews. Because everyone thinks of them like speed dating. They seem super awkward. They're really intimidating because you're like, I'm going to go talk to these people and they're not going to want to hear about my little practice. I, I think we get up in our heads and there's a lot of insecurity about about having these conversations. I think, I think the point you already made about, hey, one really great play is going there. Not trying to hire someone that you just met in this kind of awkward environment. Going and trying to get them to come for a week. Uh, come up and check out, just check out our practice, see what I'm doing. Just come for a weekend, come work, uh, come, come up and work Friday afternoon and spend a Saturday with me and just see what we do. It's like, again, I go back to dating. I keep going back to dating. It's really a great analogy. I, I I think as far as how you build relationships is you don't ask someone to go on vacation with you the first time you meet them. Ask, ask them to go to lunch, uh, you know, and just can we get some coffee that that's basically what we're trying to do here. It's just too weird to I think walk in these places and say, "Hey, you never heard of me? I've got a three vet practice, two hundred miles from here. Want to come and spend years of your life there?" Like that's that's it seems like a too much of a jump for me. So so beyond that, beyond a smaller sort of starting point, other advice that you have for people going in here, what do they need to have in their mind? What are there are there things they can bring with them that that students actually find value and are going to take away? or going to consider anything like that.
1: Sure. And, and now that you've, you've heard this, you know, students are looking for mentorship, right? So you could, you could hit them yeah. hot with something about your mentorship program right away. Come out this, Hey, this is how we, yeah. we train our new grads. This is what we like to do for new grads and understand that like, yes, you're going there as a small practice, a little bit insecure, but these students are also a little bit insecure. They're nervous that they're not gonna fight to re- find the worried first job. They're nervous that they're just gonna be a, another number. Like, let them know that they're valued and that you would really appreciate the time to bring them into your clinic. And that you're, um, have a great mentorship program and that this is what it looks like. And you can have examples of, and another great ways, if you are, I know like some of the one doctor practices is a little bit harder, but if you do have a new doctor that you did mentor, bring them with too. have a, have a little two person Mm -hmm. attack. Hey, this is my mentee. Ask them whatever you want to ask them. And then, then there you go. Now your mentee is talking about, oh yeah, he had a great mentorship program. I'm two years out. Now I can do spays in 15 minutes and I'm starting to do systemies and I'm doing this and my client communication is, and it's all thanks to him. And then now I'm like, wow, that's awesome. I've seen that firsthand that you do know how to mentor someone and that you have mentored someone and that it worked well enough to the point where they're coming with you to these job fairs, right? So mentorship, I mean, we've talked, we've talked about it the whole time, but it's, it's so, so, so important to vet students right now. And the imposter syndrome is so real in vet students and, and making sure that they, that you're, acknowledging those feelings and making them feel comfortable, that's a huge, huge way to start.
0: Yeah, that that totally makes sense. It's funny you say that. I think I think bring, bringing uh, bring another doctor that you've had that you have mentored along, I think it's a great idea. It's funny, when you were saying that, I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, it feels like testimonials could be really valuable. So for example, if you had a doctor who was mentored, even if you just said, hey, like, is there a testimonial that we could say, if, if I'm gonna leave, do a leave behind and say, hey, doctor so-and-so, hey, I started my job here, it was the best decision I ever made, I really got this great mentorship. Uh, I think that that's I think that's awesome. If you have vets in your practice, this is the only job they ever had, so they came as a as a new graduate and they've stayed along. I think featuring those doctors, talking to those doctors, bringing those doctors along if you can to say, "Hey, I got what I needed here. I gr- I grew here. I really felt very good about how I was supported." I, I think that that stuff is um is irreplaceable. Uh, you know, there's nothing else other than them actually coming and participating that I, that I think works that well. So all of that totally makes sense to me. Um, let's see. Anything else? I think I think that makes a ton of sense as far as resources setting these things up. The last, I guess, uh, the last thing I sort of want to want to ask you is, what pitfalls should uh, vet practices look out for? You know, um, so yeah, what are the things that you have seen? Don't name names for God's sakes. Don't name any <laughs> names. But uh, what are what are what are things that you have either seen or have heard that uh, that are that are mistakes that practices have made to try to recruit new graduates? sure yeah i mean that that that's a tough one i mean there's
1: i say this out loud because some people just need to hear it and be like oh yeah that's obvious but i say yeah. it because it's not that obvious because i've heard stories of these things happening where you are leaving the new girl yeah. alone you jump into a room by yourself and say, Oh, I don't know where the new grad or the, the vet student went. I'm just gonna hop into a room and now they're standing in the in the treatment area and they don't know anyone else because it's their first day and they don't know why they don't want to step on anyone's toes, yeah. but they wanna be helpful, but they know that there's no liability insurance for them. And and now the vet is gone and now things are awkward and you're just waiting for them. So make an effort to grab the vet student and bring them into the rooms and, and engage them in these conversations and, and supervise them when you can, because especially on that first day, that is a tough day. You know, I, I struggle yeah. with first days myself because I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but I want to be helpful. How do I balance that? I want to make sure that people know who I am, but I don't want to come off overbearing. and I don't want to waste people's time. So grab these students and bring them in and then as they get more comfortable, they can start to, you know, spend a little bit more time here, spend a little bit more time here. But this, for those first couple yeah. days, grabbing those students and making them a part of what you're doing and making an effort to make them feel included is super valuable. And it's way too often. I just feel like I'm too busy to have a vet student follow me. If they're not with me, I'm just jumping in the room. And I'm like, yeah, this is a person that you're going to mentor, but You can't even bring them into a 30 minute appointment. I'm like, that's, those are not good things to do. So that's just, that's again, just a little thing that you bring a vet student, you grab them, you bring them in the room with you, not physically grab them, but make sure that they're with you and that they're, they just just get them. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you just, you just, you just grab them, but (laughs) that's why they wear
0: white coats is so you can just snatch them. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So that's just a good way. Yeah. No, I, I think, no, I think you're right. Well, I think you know one of the things that I've seen work really well in that regard is um, you don't have to go this alone as the mentor either. Bring the bring the students in. And get your get your text on board. Say, hey, don't let this person stand around without knowing what to do or where to go. If you see them, uh, if I mean, if I run off into a room or something and you see them, bring them to where I am. Like, I want them to be there. I might have to run off and they're doing something else. Where I don't know where they are. When you see them, bring them to where I am. I'll introduce them and get them right back in. Uh, the other thing is. You don't have to, mentorship doesn't have to be a one-on-one game. And I think a lot of people say that, well, there's a mentor and there's a mentee. And I go, well, you know, kind of, yes and no. Um, I think that there's value in young doctors working with multiple other doctors. You know, I, I don't think that I am the one who has to teach this doctor everything. I think that working with me is great. Working with the other doctors around in our practice are great. I think where, where people make a mistake is they don't have that c- clear communication with the other doctors or with the support staff about, hey, would you help me with this? Would you support the mentorship program? Would you be willing to take this person? And this is generally what I'm looking for. Because a lot of times people will turn to you. I mean, I remember being an associate doctor early on and somebody would be like, hey, we got a new grad coming. Will you mentor them? And I'm like, I don't I have no idea what that means. And, and it would have been really nice to say, hey, would you be willing to take them into the rooms with you? Make sure they know what's going on. Show them what you're looking at. Walk them through uh, these these processes. Just, just make them feel comfortable. Um, I just I just make sure that they have other people that they can turn and talk to and ask questions to, not the one person. We've all said, and I don't know about you, I feel like I've been this person a million times, of the lost puppy who has exactly one contact, and that person disappears. And and I'm just looking around, and the techs are kind of looking at me like, what is this man doing standing in the back, in the back of the building. I don't think he's supposed to, sir. You're, did you wonder? Did you get lost? Um, and, and so, yeah, just, just it can be a team game. I think a lot of people get really overwhelmed. They go, I don't have time to mentor a person. It's like, well, great. You need to pull three other doctors together, and you guys all get your get coordinate on this, and I uh, and tag team it and and pass the person around and do a half day each for 2 days and they're going to cycle through and you're going to have them for half a day but um and then you're going to see how that goes and then we're going to modify as we go along but um but it just has to be everything on one person but I really do I as a busy doctor I can empathize with the people who disappear and go like I got to go uh but at the, that's a bad bad investment choice uh, for sure all right any final pearls, Jason? Anything that you feel like people really need to get right? Anything that you think are uh, keys to success that people might need to hear one more time? Sure, I think also one of the
1: things that you can do for mentors is if they're volunteering their time to take on a new grad, give them a little bump in pay. Make sure that they no, they know that their time yep. is worthwhile. So just a little something extra that that you can do there. And like I said, this is all about building relationships, get that foot in the door, build a relationship with these students, make sure that you're in it for the right reasons, because if you're not in it for the right reasons, then the vet students are gonna pick that out and that's not gonna get into a a good situation. So make sure that you're in it for the right reasons, you're in it because you wanna develop your practice, you want this new grad to have a great clientele in the area, you want your practice to be more profitable and you know how to develop your new grad take that time to do that, build that relationship with that new grad starting in an early year, especially that second to third year jump. That's a huge time where people start to really value that mentorship and get into schools, job fairs, um, clubs, give lunch lectures. Um, you could even do like little wet labs where people can come to your clinic and do some supervised phase and New Year's with your doctors. And those are things that can get people in the door too. So little things like that um, and schedule flexibility. I mean, like when you're talking about mentorship, making sure everything is so flexible. You're checking in weekly. You're checking in biweekly. You're there if you need them. For the first couple of weeks, you and the new grad are on the same schedule. Said so you're all, You're always there if you need them. Those are little things that the small guys can do that cost no money that give you a huge leg up.
0: Yeah, that's the last thing that I would sort of add to this, and this is sort of a philosophic thing, but I, I think it's really important. I feel like, and I understand what this happens, I, I feel like a lot of vets are, are overwhelmed and they're like, oh, we really need this help. And and they they think about themselves and they think about getting someone in who can help them and help their business. And I think that's very understandable. We all know how people can get in that mentality. But it's almost like this weird paradoxical trick. If you can get past that mindset and sort of the more Buddhist uh, Zen way of thinking, If you can really convince yourself that I want to hire this person because I want to work with good people and I want to grow this person and I understand that this person might outgrow our practice, they might work with us for three years and then go on. And rather than being resentful of that or saying, oh, I really messed up because I had them here for for two years or three years or four years and then they left. If you can say, I had this person here, I'm going to be proud of the time that they were with us and I'm going to feel that we did right by them and sort of supported them in the three years that they were here. And who knows what's going to happen in life, right? We've all had spouses that got new jobs and we moved or we've had family members get sick or we've had you know our, our, just our general life change. I don't think you can hire someone with the idea. And I think a lot of people do. And I think it's a big mistake. I think it's a mistake to hire someone with the idea that you're going to have them for 20 years. And if you don't have them for 20 years, then they somehow let you down or this was some sort of a failure. I I just I don't think there's anything productive in that. I don't think that's the way the world works anymore. I think you should hire somebody because you want to work with them, because you want to grow them, because you think that you can help them and they can help you and know that they might move on at some point. And you need to be okay with that. And honestly, you should feel good about that. And because. You can feel bad about it the outcome is still exactly the same it's only how you feel and how you perceive this and what i found though is is the crazy thing is that when you decide that you are taking this long view and you're just going to do your best and 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 try to hope that it works out and you're going to feel good about it often you end up with a much more positive healthy happy relationship and the person's more likely to end up staying around and it's just it's just really it's funny the way that works. Uh, the last thing I would say is I, I mentioned I brought this up a number of times. Whenever I'm talking with Stephanie on the podcast, I'll talk about the cartoon. There's this cartoon I've seen, and it's got two veterinarians, and one of them looks at the other and says, "Well, what if we train these people and they leave?" And the other one says, "What if we don't train them and they stay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think that I think that's true too." So I think about that a lot as far as investing into new talent. Jason, thank you so much for being here, man. I really appreciate you. Yeah, of course. I'm glad I got to
1: hang out with you and I'm really looking forward to your October conference where we can dive deeper
0: into this and really uh, figure out what what new grads want. That's right, guys. October 6th through the 8th is our Get Shit Done Shorthanded conference. Um, Get Shit Done Shorthanded. Uh, It means recruiting people, too. And that is going to be one of the things that we're going to be talking about. we got workshops. Jason is running a workshop for us. We'll have discussion groups. We'll have all sorts of things uh, to make your life easier if you're feeling overwhelmed. So uh, block your time off at the clinic, and it's virtual. But um, you can do a little clinic time and then get in and and work with us in the day. So anyway, guys, take care of yourself. Jason, thank you again for being here. Uh, I cannot wait to see you in October. Can't wait. It's going to be a blast. And that is our show. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Like I said, if you haven't registered for the Get Shit Done Short-Handed Virtual Conference, it is October 6th to the 8th. Get more information at unchartedvet.com. Check it out. You're going to want to block some time on your schedule at the clinic because you don't want to multitask. You want to be, you want to, you're going to want to be a part of this because our conferences are super interactive. Jason's running the workshop for us on hiring new grads. It's going to be really discussion-based. You're going to hear a lot more than you heard here today, and there's going to be other practitioners that are talking about what they do, and it's going to be really an awesome time. Don't want to miss it. Guys, thanks again for being here. Be well. Talk to you later on. Bye.